Welcome to Damsels in Dialogue, a podcast dedicated to female protagonists in fiction, film, and the stage, co-hosted by India Marie Paul and Katie Zetter. For our inaugural season, we will be focusing on eight animated heroines from Walt Disney feature films. This episode, we find ourselves tangled up with a classic grim fairy tale and the world's most well-known maiden in a tower, Rapunzel. Let down your hair. Let down your hair. <laughs> <laughs> that's the music, right? That's, that's the music. Yeah, that's the music. Let's add that in of us <laughs> screaming that at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love this movie. And I remember when it came out, seeing it in theaters with my mom. So this is in 2010. And I immediately loved it. And then I was so happy to revisit this movie. And I just fell more and more in love with it. The more I focused in on it. And I just... Ugh, was amazing. So let's kind of dive into the origins of Rapunzel. We all kind of are familiar with the grim retelling of it, and mm-hmm. that's what they claim they based it on for Disney. And it's kind of set in this German-esque village around the late 1700s, early 1800s. But the actual first story where we kind of meet this character is in Italy. So there is a group of tales written by Jean-Baptiste Bastille, Mm-hmm, I believe mm-hmm, I've said that correctly. Mm-hmm. I think so. In uh, 1634. And he wrote a story called Petrosanella, And that name translates to Little Parsley. Rapunzel is kind of a German version of Rampion, which is a type of flower. So we'll get there. Okay. But in this one, it's Petrosanella, and it means Little Parsley. And I actually think this version of the Rapunzel character is probably closest to the spunk of Disney's Mm -hmm. Tangled because she kind of saves herself from a tower. She is trapped by an ogress in this one. And Mm -hmm. there's a couple other ones that I'll talk about. But in this version of Petrosanella, her mother is craving parsley and wants it from she's pregnant and wants it from the ogress's garden. So the, the husband goes and gets it, brings it to her and the ogress is angered and is going to hurt them. And then instead says, give me your child and we're called even so this is where the sondheim took it so yeah sondheim sondheim is uh for into the woods specifically quotes the grim versions but mm, yeah. all of them are derived from this from this yeah from yeah this yeah italian tale which is really cool and unlike a lot of other folklore oral tradition fairy tales there's not a lot of proof of it being around. And of course, there's always a maiden in a tower story. That's a whole category right. of fairy tales is the maiden <laughs> in a tower. Right. Fairy tales in general were kind of derived from women telling each other stories, which I find really interesting. They weren't necessarily for children. A lot of the oral tradition of folklore and fairy tales were women doing weaving and talking and telling each other things and creating things, which is really wonderful. And I find it really interesting that I've found that women connect more to fairy tales in general and that it was a tradition that kind of got passed through a more matriarchal line in general before the Grimm's collected all of the tales and all that. Yeah. But in this one, the mother wants the parsley, dad goes to get it, ogres gets the firstborn child. The child grows up for seven years with the mom and the ogress, every time she comes back, tells the little girl, I don't really know why she keeps walking by the ogress's house, tell your mom to remember her promise. And the mom mm-hmm. apparently got sick of the the empty threat. So she told Petrosanella to tell the ogress, well, then take it. 
And so the ogress does. When Petrus Mill goes up to the ogress, it's like, my mom says, (laughs) (laughs) so she takes her, locks her in a tower. Her hair grows forever long. She's beautiful. She's beautiful Mm -hmm. in all the stories. In some of them, she sings. uh, And that's what attracts, yeah, that's what attracts the prince in a lot of them. But in this one, what stood out to me is her and the prince actually kind of grow and fall in love. He comes across her. He does not trick her to get up in the tower and that's what happens in the other versions he kind of sees her and they it says that they talk and get to know each other and then he kind of visits her so i just imagine them yelling from the tower (laughs) i don't know how there's no specifics about how they communicate what's your favorite color i really want to believe that's what happens Uh, maybe we're supposed to assume he goes up (laughs) <laughs> I just like Carrier it that the, pigeon letter Yeah, I just like the idea of them yelling back and forth To this tower <laughs> And then they, you know, he eventually comes and visits her In the tower And they fall for each other And they hatch a plan to get out together Behind the reverse's back And there's a gossip in the town Who overhears their plan To leave together And tells the ogress And the ogress tells the gossip That, oh, she can't leave because there are three magical acorns hidden in the rafters that it's a spell to keep her there. But Petrosanella hears the gossip and the ogress's talk. So it's, it's a whole bunch of pick a little talk, a little gossip <laughs> um, happening. And then when the prince comes over next, tells him to climb into the rafters and get the acorns and then they escape. And so they start running away. The ogress follows after them and then she throws the each magic acorn is like a beast that tries to attack the ogress and she outsmarts two of them. And then the last one, she's wearing the skin of a of a donkey and forgets to take it off. And so she gets attacked by the last animal. It's, it's very odd. <laughs> but Petrosanella is the one throwing them. So there's this element of her using her resourcefulness and her smarts to outwit the ogress and to get away. And then the prince is reunited with his family huh. in that. And they all become royal and... And it's all happily ever after. But that one, she's a little spunkier. She has a little more agency. They actually kind why of fall would, in love. Like, why it's... wouldn't they pick that story? Like, Disney's so weird mm-hmm. about they like pick a story they really want to do, mm-hmm. but they're so adamant about doing this like specific version. But then mm-hmm. they always change it a bunch. Like, why? Well, yeah. And like, why elements... pick the grip if they could do that one? Like, it's... It, it lines more with the movie. It does. Like, I think the, the heroine herself does. And this one doesn't have the magical tears, which the grim version does. True, true. And I believe Parsonette does, which is kind of the next iteration of this tale that was famous. The grim one is the most well-known. And that's what, that's the one that we all have seen in Into the Woods that we all kind of, if we go into the darker actual fairy tales, we believe that's the original. Parsonette was a French version of it. And that came out in 1697 by Charlotte Rose de la Force. And she actually wrote it while she was locked away in an abbey because she was part of lots of scandals in the French court. I believe this was Louis XIV time. So the court Amazing. was its own mess. I love that <laughs> gossip if you ever are interested in that. But she was someone who believed in marrying for love. And she's someone who tried to marry her love, but her family found out because he wasn't rich or he wasn't high enough ranked. So I think they annulled it or they broke them apart. And then she was involved in a different scandal because of the story she was writing and then got sent to a convent to be away from the court. And this is where she wrote. 
so it's it's very much affected by her being trapped away too. So I thought I thought that was really really interesting. But in this one, a fairy hides Parsonet away instead of an mm. ogress because you know oh. fairies weren't all they were primarily evil. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and that's what's really, oh, oh, when we get to the, mm, okay, I have to work my way there. So Parsonette, the fairy actually really loved Parsonette and thought she was beautiful and tried to protect her by locking her away in like a silver tower with all of these things. And she was like a painter and she was uh, very active and learning. So she kind of had a luxurious tower stay rather than being trapped in a drab ogress's tower. Right. So there's a little more of, it feels like Gothel's in there a little bit with the right, trying, right. Like yeah. she had everything she potentially asked for. Mm-hmm. Like if who didn't want Rapunzel's bedroom? Yeah, like in the tower. <laughs> yeah, she was kind of given everything that she could want, and uh, the prince comes and hears her sing. I believe he tricks her with the let down your hair. I believe that's when that started to come into play. Mm-hmm. Goes up, fall in love. I think this is also Parsonette is the one where the fairy finds out, cuts off her hair, Prince gets tricked, and then she has sent Parsonette away into a cottage, not into the desert like the Grand, but like to the cottage. Yeah, okay. Away okay. from the prince, and then the prince, this might be where he jumps from the tower and gets split. So there's a little bit more of the blinding that you find in the Grimm's too. But then ultimately, they meet up. Rapunzel bears twins in that one too, I believe. Mm, classic. I believe. Classic they, it, I, they all start pregnant, to blend together. they have kids. Yes. <laughs> they all are starting to blend together a little bit. But then what is different about this version of it is there's some curse on her. They eat food and it doesn't work because the fairy doesn't want them to be together. Oh, hi, puppy. The fairy finds them. Or they go to the fairy and she sees them in love. And because she loves Parsonette, she relieves the curse and lets them be together. It's still a happy Hmm. ending. It's a little bit different. It's a little closer to where Graham ends up. Because this was a famous tale in the French court. And then Frederick Schultz, who's German, he's the one who translated it almost directly into German. So this was in 1790. And he changed it to Rapunzel instead of Parsonette. And this is where the Grimm's took it from. So they took it from Schultz's translation of Parsonet. So why did they, do you know why they picked Rapunzel? Petrosinella and Parsonet were both referring to parsley. And then Schultz decided to name her after a different plant. So instead of parsley, he named her after Rampion. So Rampion oh. is a oh, flower plant. And it actually looks very much like the golden flower. So it, basically you eat the leaves and the roots. The Disney version took the Rampion flower and made it magical, basically. Cool. And that's what the mother wanted to eat instead of parsley and from the garden. So the Grimm's took the translated Parsonette, which became Rapunzel, and stripped it down completely to make it feel like a folklore from oral tradition tale. So it's only about three pages long. Right. It was uh, first released in 1812. And then completely redrafted for 1857, which was a little more child-friendly. They mm. turned... It was a fairy in 1812, and then they changed... Child, you know, it's child-friendly again. <laughs> There's a little less sexual obviousness in the first... In the, in the seventh edition, which is 57. <laughs> but in the first one, it's a little more blunt about things. There's a little less information. There's still a fairy. It didn't mm-hmm. turn into a sorceress until the 1857 version, mm-hmm. which is the one that's more popular today. Right, right. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the Grim Tale, it's mother wanted 
Rampion from the garden, stole it, was going to be cursed, so she got the baby taken away, put in a tower, hair grew forever long, was trapped there, Prince walks by, hears the singing, tricks her, says, let down your hair the same way the sorceress does because he sees her from the bushes. They fall in love and then getting pregnant. And that's how the witch finds out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the 1812 version, which is a little less kid friendly, she gets pregnant and then has Gothel, because it's Dame Gothel is the uh, the sorceress. This time it's a fairy because it's 1812. And she says, mother, I don't understand why my clothes don't fit me anymore. And it's because oh, she's yes. pregnant. I do remember that. <laughs> and so <laughs> she finds out and gets upset. And then in the 1857 version, she accidentally says, you're easier to pull up than the prince. So she lets it, or something to that effect. So she lets it slip that she's about to see the prince or that he's coming later, uh, that it's not that she's gotten pregnant. And then she gets pregnant, like she has twins when she's banished into the desert in the 57 version. She's not Mm -hmm. pregnant yet. So she gets banished to the desert, walks around, bears twins. In both versions, eventually she'll be there. And the prince comes back, gets tricked to thinking it's her, goes up to the tower, gets told that they're never going to see each other, and throws himself from the tower. In my brain, he got pushed. He did not get pushed in the Grim Fairy Tale. He <laughs> he threw himself dramatically from the tower. Uh, did romance. not die. Oh, did not die. Got blinded by like a thistle bush. Yeah, at yeah, the bottom the of the tower. At the bottom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wanders around aimlessly, and then meets up with Rapunzel, who's wandering around aimlessly. She cries on him. Her tears heal his blindness, and then they return to his castle, all happy. So that's. <laughs> That's the origin story. Uh, You really gotta think, like, Walt Disney, what were you, you know, like, these stories are cool. I love fairy tales, but, like, why why were those, like, the Grimm's and the Honkers Anderson? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. Walt was like, ooh, these would make a great movie for five-year-olds. Let's do this. (laughs) This is brilliant. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> they're very dark, and that's what, they did change it to be more kid-friendly. Oh my gosh, in yes. The, the, in lot. the 1857, but. Sorry, I think you meant for the movie. <laughs> no, the movie, yes. Oh, it's very, it's, yeah, they did great things with it, but you can kind of see where they got the flower came from the Rampion mm-hmm. flower in the German mm-hmm. version. You can see the fact she's a painter and this luxury tower idea coming from yeah. the Personet version. So you can see that they did their work and they studied it. And it's a tale that I think took so long to get done by Disney because it's actually really plot driven. There's not a lot of character development. It's very, especially in the grim version. There's Mm -hmm. a little more personality in the first Petrosinella and Personet. But in the grim version, it's very, this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. So she doesn't really have personality. It's very archetypal. Like there's not a lot of depth to it. It's three pages long. So for Disney to be like, let's make this wonderful, pr-. like you don't really know if she's a wonderful person, you know, she's pretty and that's about it. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little different. Disney made the the character development, like took the story and ran with it, if, if you will. Yeah. And it's one of the shorter kind of origin dives I've done because it, it there's a couple stories and then they're really short. Yeah. <laughs> and the Maiden in the Tower idea was very popular among fairy tales, I think, because they were women driven. And that women felt trapped in marriage. They felt trapped by their status. They physically felt trapped. There's a lot of that 
in fairy tales that I think comes from the oral tradition of women talking to each other and collecting these stories. And that's why there's so much imagery in fairy tales of weaving and household activities that happen because usually we're talking to each other while you were doing them. I always find that really interesting and that the Grimm's are known for collecting them, but it actually was them collecting what other women have collected for them and them translating it. Yeah, I think it's known pretty widely that they collected the stories, but I Mm -hmm. don't think it's as widely known that they're from women. Yeah, a lot of salons. Like they, I was listening to a really wonderful podcast, I believe it was Singing Bones, that kind of dives into fairy tales and, and histories. And they went on to explain about the Wild Sisters and how they were a group of women that the Grimms were friends with who really helped collect for them a lot of tales from their right. salons and from friends they knew and finding the best versions of things. So a lot of them dictating tales were straight from women telling them. So it's not really as if they were crafting them to be different. They were kind of just writing what women were dictating to them. So, you know, I have feelings about the fact that it's the grim fairy tales. But in reality, they didn't even go out and knock on everyone's door. They were just like handed a pile of stories from the Wild Sisters (laughs) and a lot of other friends and salons. So it's there's this like beautiful romantic idea of the Grimm brothers knocking and going around on everyone and finding Mm -hmm. them. That's not what happened. Not at all. But Disney. okay, so Disney talked about doing Rapunzel starting in the 1940s. It was kind of discussed right after the success of Snow White. A lot of them. He Mm -hmm. he had. For some reason, all of the fairy tales. He's like, let's do them all right now. Yeah. Well, everyone like, kind of would knew like them. to do all of them. It was smart, <laughs> but uh, he must, they must not have found something to dig into. So that kind of got shelved. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was only discussed for a little bit in the 40s. And then it didn't come back up until 1996. Glenn Keane started developing it. And he's an animator I love. And he started developing the story of Rapunzel and figuring out how to turn it into an actual story. Uh, And he didn't pitch it to Disney until 2001. So it was something that definitely got time to develop. And he ended up not directing it because he came out saying he had a heart attack in 2008. So he stepped down. He was the lead animator. So he's still really involved with it. And it got transferred over to different directors. But they developed (laughs) this movie. Tangled is the most expensive animated film ever with $260 million spent to make it. Is it the hair? Part the of it's the software. The <laughs> Part of it's the software. And to compare that, Frozen 2 was 150. Mm-hmm. And this was 260. And right. what it, it spent They also six, lucked out, though, because they had mm-hmm. uh, the animation from Moana to use. Yes, they did. In Frozen 2, they upgraded the Splash software. Mm-hmm. And in Tangled, they, they kind of had to create this hair software. Yeah. Because she has 70 feet of it. <laughs> it's 70 feet in the Disney version. There's and 70 she uses foot. it a lot. It's uses not it a lot. just an accessory. Like she yep. uses it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a character in itself and making all of those strands of hair work and move the correct way, what I can't imagine. So that was part of it, but the biggest part of it was the amount of changes in story that happened. So they developed it, they were supposed to release it, let me get this year right, they were supposed to release it in 07. It came out in 2010 as the 50th animated feature film. So it was this big to-do 
but they moved it back because they wanted to get the story right. So when you redevelop a story, you have to go through storyboards, visual design, writing. It's a whole pr- – and that was the most expensive part was the amount of reworking the story went. Because at one point, they wanted to make it almost Shrek-like and satirical. And Glenn King pretty much said, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> you get shorty. Yeah, that's about, you know. And there are <laughs> there's a lot of great comedy in it, but it's still a very genuine story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so at one point there was that discussion and he said absolutely not i'll walk i can't do that kind of film so he stayed and they took it back to being a genuine story in it so there's a lot of discussion of how because they created an entire mythology and they created more of one for the series that came out but yeah i would the, say they created it more for the series than the yeah. movie the movie was very original rapunzel original the, the Grimm's fairy tale, but with a lot more character development. <laughs> yes. And I really loved what they did with the flower because you can see they came up with it from the Rampion flower. It definitely looks like it. They get the magic from the healing tears that randomly happen in the Grimm. Right. There's no explanation. It's not <laughs> a world that has magic, really, other than that being a sorceress. Right. There's, they don't really discuss any kind of magic in the grim fairy tale until she magically heals his tears. But you can see kind of where they get that, but they created the magic, the sun drop. There's a lot of sunshine mm-hmm. imagery in the original tale, and they keep the theme up. I think there's a, a line about her being like sunshine in the original tale, so they kind of took it and, and ran oh, they with ran it. ran with it. The, mm-hmm. That's the emblem yep. of Corona. And they also were, this is the first... Well, Disney princess that was 3D and Glenn Keane originally had wanted it to be 2D and they went through a whole pros and cons meeting about what that meant. And so in order to make it still feel like a 2D animated, you had Glenn Keane, who was this famous 2D animator, heading up trying to make it feel as as flowy and as natural mm-hmm. as hand-drawn animation. So that also took time. And the visual development was trying to make it look like an oil painting. So the idea mm-hmm, for the backgrounds mm-hmm. and for her, and you can tell with the highlighting, specifically with her hair, I noticed it felt very oil painty. And the the very specific painting that inspired the look of Tangled was the swing. And you oh. see the swing in Frozen. Yeah. When <laughs> Anna, Anna is jumping. Jumps into it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's the, it's a Rococo painting. And that's what inspired the visual look. It's so interesting that back to back, we have spoken about backgrounds that are based Mm -hmm. in a paint style. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they're so, so different. They're so different. The watercolor versus the the actual watercolor versus the CGI oil paint. And they're, yeah, they're pretty opposite. Yeah. (laughs) It's like as opposite (laughs) as you can go because you have physical watercolor backgrounds and animated oil painting backgrounds. It's crazy. It's water and oil. Anyway. It's great. <laughs> but it's, it's beautiful. And mm-hmm. you can tell that they're not trying to make it realistic. I read that before I rewatched it. And I could start seeing in the coloring how bright it was and how oh, yeah. how high the highlights are really, really pop on her hair to make it feel oily and slick. It kind of looks like she has a very slick ribbon behind her mm-hmm. rather than physical hair pieces. And they do a really good job of animating her 70 feet of hair. <laughs> Right through it, uh, and something that I discovered when in my research was that they 
specifically called, and you probably already know this, but they specifically called it tangled to make it gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that was the start of that. And it, it so, did, yeah. I think. I thought the story was very successful at having something for everyone. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll get into that. But, uh, <laughs> another huge part of the movie and the series specifically, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get there, but Claire Keene, who is the daughter of Glenn Keene, was the visual development artist who was in charge of Rapunzel's paintings. So she designed how Rapunzel paints and what her murals look like, which affected the style. It's beautiful and it's whimsical and childlike, but sophisticated. Right. And that inspired the art style of the Tangled series. So she worked on the series as well, but she was in charge of kind of painting Rapunzel's paintings. And how, I mean, how how cool is that (laughs) to have your dad kind of create the beginnings of the story and then you get to kind of bring her to life. And her being an artist, right. I'm sure there was a lot of very meta <laughs> stuff happening. A connection that. there. <laughs> yeah. And we get, we reunite Alan Menken and Glenn Slater. They've done a lot of projects together. What he wanted to do with the music of this movie was blend medieval and 1960s folk, which I oh, think he accomplishes. <laughs> oh, the kingdom dance uh-huh. on the soundtrack mm-hmm. is a thousand percent that. Yep. <laughs> And the hardest part of their story development, from what I understand, is figuring out how to not end the movie as soon as she leaves the tower. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. was when you take the original story. Yeah. What do you do? And it took them a while to figure that out. And uh, one of the story artists came in and mentioned these floating lanterns, which were mm-hmm. big festivals in Indonesia and Asia where they were really popular. And it brought this idea. And that completely opened up the entire story. And what they come up with isn't too abstract. I mm-hmm. think it's really it's it's very easily understandable by all ages mm-hmm. and they set it up very clearly which is good because i think that makes rapunzel very she has a she has a strong story a strong and concise story to build this fantastic character mm-hmm. in like like the world is solid the world is yeah. solid easily understandable easily attainable great yeah so that's kind of the, the how disney took it from the origins and into that. So how let what were your initial reactions with the movie after watching it? So I I don't think I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I'm not sure if I did. Although I did grow up in a really small town and we would often get movies months late. It was though one of the first DVDs that I got on my own to have and watch a mm-hmm. lot. I think it's a really solid good story and easily one of the best princess movies mm-hmm. that Disney has done. It's very attainable for kids. The solid world building just like gave them more room to play mm-hmm. with Rapunzel. Mm-hmm. Like they just briefly glossed over like this is how the magic works. You accept it. You move Boom. on. It's enough that you're like, okay, cool. I don't have a whole lot of questions that I feel like I need answered. Mm-hmm. But ambiguous enough that when they made the series, it was mm-hmm. like, heck yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, I yeah, I've fallen in love with that series. Yeah. Um, she's great, watched, though. Rapunzel is phenomenal. She's fantastic. She is so resilient. And something that hit me more this year after our 2020 adventure. Yeah. Is <laughs> adventure. <one> adventure. <laughs> adventure. I'll put you the nice. 
is we're all in quarantine for most of this year. And yeah. she was in quarantine for 18 years. So it's something that was very pertinent about this mm-hmm. movie after this year. How does she have the energy at seven in the morning to do it? Like, the, the, it opens with this. It's not a storybook opening, which they did try. You can watch some of the deleted ideas that yeah, they had. Yeah, it didn't work. Didn't did work. Not and they're work. like, oh, Flynn, you want to try this? And he's like, all right. And they're like, oh, this works. How weird. It's so, like, it, you instantly already like the romantic interest. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, because he introduces it in such a fun way. You get the full story, yeah. you get the feeling for the parents. And then you get this beautiful introduction to her where you instantly know it's not like the grim fairy tale because she is choosing to stay in the tower. She's not physically trapped there. Right. She is emotionally trapped there. She has no idea she's trapped mm-hmm. there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's terrifying when you really break it down that she is mm-hmm. there because of fear that has been instilled in her by Gothel. It is very impressive for Rapunzel being as young as she is, mm-hmm. being gaslit yes. by someone. Yes. For her to still be so positive and upbeat. Um, mm-hmm. she is the huffly puffest Hufflepuff oh, mm-hmm. I've I've mm-hmm. ever I've ever heard of. I just wrote gaslighting in capital letters rewatching <laughs> re- re- this. And I looked up the definition just to like remind myself that I was using the term right. And it's oh, yes. is, <laughs> gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse that's seen in abusive relationships. It's the act of manipulating a person by forcing them to question their thoughts, memories, and the events occurring around them. That wasn't 2020 or Tangled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it just, it, and that's what I don't even think I knew that word existed until the last few years. And so this, the emotional abuse in this film and Rapunzel being the victim of it is so complex. Mm-hmm. And you get it as soon as Gothel walks in and checks herself in that mirror. Yes. Oh, look, beautiful woman. Oh, you're there too. It's you. It, it's instant. And it, it triggers an understanding of that relationship so fast. Because even if, if you don't have that with mm-hmm. someone, you know people who do that or you know people who've dealt right. with that. Well, And it's so cleverly done because mm-hmm. you see how she reacts with Rapunzel. There's moments where you're like, oh, this is why Rapunzel hasn't left and why she believes Gothel. Mm-hmm. There's moments where, you know, she hugs her and offers to get her these paints she loves mm-hmm. and makes her favorite soups. And you know it's not out of love for Rapunzel. No. It's out of just her intelligence and her manipulating the situation. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, she's not Ursula. She's no. Not, no. She's not, she's not Maleficent where you meet her and you're like, ah, that's the bad guy. Yeah. Like, you know? She's like, this, we, yeah. outside we see, but Rapunzel, you can see from her point of view of why she wouldn't have no like it doesn't make her dumb no she's not dumb and i really appreciated that that she's naive but she's extremely smart yes she's just casually like oh i chart stars (laughs) it's like okay she's incredibly smart she's incredibly resourceful i mean if you that's more so i feel like Mm -hmm. she's more so resourceful and she thinks outside of the box more than Mm -hmm. others yeah and something else that i really love about her as a princess character and what the ideals of the heroine and the the disney princess is that she's extremely kind to everyone she meets Mm -hmm. she judges no one to the point of like making friends with ex-convicts yeah (laughs) she's she's just this 18 year old blonde girl walking in to this horrible ruffian bar terrified terrified but but sirs when push comes to shove (laughs) 
give me back my guide. Like, <laughs> instead of cowering in the corner or running away, she hits him with like a stick <laughs> and is like, put him down. Right. To this group of huge, really intimidating ex-convicts. Right. And there's something that she is a much better human being than I will ever be. She doesn't yes. judge anyone. And the story proves that you shouldn't. There's so many parts of the story that are so subtly brilliant and progressive. Yeah. And this was pre Me Too. So this is when it was still very popular and feminism was still gaining a lot of traction. But it was before it was out in the open and groups of women were collaborating and being angry together about what was happening. Right. So I find it really interesting how progressive this film is. And I love it. <laughs> I like it a lot. I love it. Something cool that I really appreciated mm -hmm. that I did not notice the first couple times mm -hmm. I watched this was that. And especially relating to Rapunzel and not judging people and just being the saint that she is. She is very naive, though, you know, which comes up a lot. And it's fine to be naive. Mm -hmm. It's a very cool story in that it's very much discovering herself mm -hmm. as well is part of it, which is really cool. But something that I found interesting is that Mother Gothel, every time she says, I love you, she's touching Rapunzel's hair. Whereas Flynn, mm -hmm. anytime he speaks to her, watch it, he is pushing it out of her face. Mm -hmm. He's like, Blondie, what what are we doing right now? Like, yep. Ignore, like getting or, it away. Right. Or, you know, when he tells her his feelings for her and everything, mm -hmm. it's it's always anytime he's speaking to her, he's speaking to her. He's not mm -hmm. speaking to her hair. Every time she kisses her, it's her head. Every time mm -hmm. she pats her on the head, it's her hair. Like it's any Which interaction. Which makes that naive <sighs> Rapunzel be like, oh, yes, mm -hmm. she does love me. Mm -hmm. she, she's mm -hmm. kissing me. She's hugging me. She's telling me how much she loves me. Mm -hmm. And just totally not seeing that. And that is, I think it's cool that sometimes her na naivety, na na naivety, naivete, naivete, I however India just said it, <laughs> is uh, a lot of times a great thing, but sometimes mm -hmm. it has consequences mm -hmm. as well, which I think is good. It's good to give her some well-rounded features she has flaws like she's a brilliant heroine but she has flaws and the best part about this movie and the series it's more in the series because you spend you know 70 right. episodes with them right <laughs> but in the movie the the emotional maturity in which they talk about their feelings and definitely in the series but it mm -hmm. it's an open communicate none of the plot points happen because someone doesn't know how to express themselves or someone is yelling at someone right. or someone's upset like it's they end up talking about it and they end up mm -hmm. like uh eugene Whether gets to have Flynn it. wants to yeah <laughs> they end up talking about it they end up talking about it and it's amazing and in this you see the beginnings of it with him telling her his real name right before they're mm -hmm. about to you know drown there's a lot of action happens. That's something I noticed. Yes. She turns into a like an Indiana Jones action star <laughs> after the Snuggly Duckling when they're running away from Maximus <laughs> and the guards. She's clever. She's clever. <sighs> she's able to see and think outside of the box, which I mm -hmm. think is is very unique from past characters we've mm -hmm. met. She's not just mm -hmm. traditionally smart. She is mm -hmm. ingenuitive. Yeah. And she's physically fit. Because yeah. when you're seeing her swing around the rafters, I'm like, she's got to have amazing biceps and triceps. <laughs> like, that's a lot of pulling people up. It makes me more believable when she shoves Flynn in the closet. <laughs> like, 
think yes. that she could handle just and so much of the comedy in it undercuts the sentimentality, which I really appreciate. Because right when she has that first look moment where like love at first sight with him, because she sees him uh on the floor and there's this romantic music swelling and then he twitches and she hits him again. Yes! Like, so every time that they're really close to being gooey or being sentimental, mm-hmm. either Flynn makes a joke or she does something quirky. She's like the first awkward princess too. <laughs> but the awkwardness that they allow and the quirkiness that they allow yeah. is so different than when you have these very old-fashioned feeling romantic interests and romantic princesses. Right, right, you, right, right. And you have one who's calm. I don't know how she has any self-confidence after the emotional abuse she has been through. She is so insecure, but also so brave. Mm-hmm. And I find that really fascinating. And I appreciate that she was like 18. And they they let her have emotions. The, the joy and stress montage when she's like, I'm a horrible human being. Yeah, It's the best day ever. That montage is hysterical. Oh, it's so funny. But it's so real. Yes. <laughs> so oh my gosh. <laughs> Everyone has had that moment. Like it's so brilliantly done. Uh, and Flynn's face. He just Every time he's just getting. And, and you've, everyone's been Flynn too. Everyone's been yep. Flynn looking at their friend Going mm-hmm. through all these things, and you're like, it's really you. You could just oh, no. Oh, you just okay. Mm-hmm. You Let it happen. No? Okay, all right. <laughs> you know, it's but they let her have all of these emotions, and they let her have so much joy, and they actually deal with the idea of her being locked in a tower for 18 years. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. Which is so so different and good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not good that she was locked in a tower, but good that good that we good that good to to watch her unpack mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and really mm-hmm. become herself. Because throwing back to what you had said, women feeling trapped mm-hmm. in their own selves. You know, Rapunzel had an unintentional trapped life, and she's still continuing that throughout the story, where she's like, "Oh no, you know, I'm going to really upset mother. This is going to be really bad for mother." And mm-hmm. she stands up to mother and it still isn't good enough for her because she's mm-hmm. still in the back of her head. She's still trapped. It's mm-hmm. not until Flynn comes up and, and they they save each other. They definitely they save each other. It is it is not a he comes to save the day mm-hmm. because he comes. I mean, he does come to save the day, but yeah. <laughs> he doesn't save the movie. I appreciate that they mm-hmm. fall in love and you watch them fall in love. It's yeah, not a love yeah. at first sight. Yeah, they actually you can see them have an emotional connection that can grow from there. Mm-hmm. You see him grow as a person yeah. because of her and you see right. oh her, yes and you see her realize what she's been told is wrong one checkbox at a time he was a, a man who came to the tower did not have pointy teeth she right. met a whole bunch of ruffians and they sang about their dreams everything that gothel sets up in mother knows best which was brilliantly done yes is proven wrong yeah in the film and so she has to deal with that and it's not until she then has her heart broken, even though Gothel's mm-hmm. manipulated the whole situation until she finds out in her subconscious that she's the lost princess. Right. 
I just, uh, it's so well crafted and everyone is, has complex feelings. She even says like, it's complicated when he asks yes. why, why she stayed or. Right, right. <laughs> and, and that's so, so cool. Cause like at the beginning of their, their, cause they were friends first. They did mm-hmm. not, Flynn, how, I mean, yes, he does the, here's the smolder, but mm-hmm. it wasn't real. No. Like he wasn't like, I'm going to woo this girl. He was like, I'm going to manipulate this girl. Yep. Like you see him not have interest in her. Mm-hmm romantically until like halfway through the movie and the same same to her even mm-hmm. though we'll talk about this later but he's the hot guy yes he's you know she yes. she she doesn't go to the and that's that's a big thing with her which is really cool is that she is so focused on her dreams and not in mm-hmm. a bad way she has these dreams and she really wants to get them and she doesn't mm-hmm. let a pretty face or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> get in her way of attaining those and that is something i, I think that's really good yeah. you still have the love you still have the romance and all that which we adore but mm-hmm. first and foremost she needs to do things that she wants this goal she wants to achieve this goal yeah which then it's so simple it's just mm-hmm. i just want to see the lanterns that's all she like it's such a simple right. <laughs> Such a simple goal. And then on the boat, he has this beautiful line of then you get to find a new dream. What if it's not everything? And what if it is everything I dreamed of? And it's such a good lesson because that the I See the Light is one of my favorite Disney duets of all time. It's so well done. It's beautiful. Because he understands. She doesn't totally get it. Mm-hmm. To at this point, like she, she's talking about how he may like me. Yeah, very naive and sweet, and and he is much older. Yeah, not a ton, but he is. He he's is a bit 26? older. Twenty six, something like that. Yeah, twenty five or twenty six. Mm-hmm. But like Flynn knows. Flynn's like, nah, I'm in love with this girl, and mm-hmm. I did not fully realize it till right now, and I'm in love with her. And she's mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, I love my dreams, and maybe I kind of like him. I kind of like him. <laughs> Flynn is one of the few portrayed womanizers who becomes better that feels less icky than typically that story is and it and it's totally entirely because of rapunzel's goodness it's Mm -hmm. not because rapunzel is the sexiest girl he's met and he can't be with anybody else like Mm -hmm. it's it's purely her her goodness and her Mm -hmm. faith in him and Mm -hmm. because he hasn't had that up until yeah He's a pure cynic and she's the right. pure optimist. Yes. <laughs> so you have these people clashing and learning from each other and it's beautiful. And something that hit me this time watching it and thinking it more in depth about how it's crafted, mm-hmm. I really appreciate that her gender has nothing to do with the story. You honestly Correct. could switch her and mm-hmm. Eugene and the story would still happen as it does. Yes. She's never held back. It's very different from, mm-hmm. as previously mentioned, the Jasmine, where, mm-hmm. where you have the personality starting, where the, the mm-hmm. girls are very different and not just traditional, kind and more complacent women. You know, mm-hmm. Jasmine mm-hmm. is not that. <laughs> not at all. But her gender still very much affects her situation. And then moving forward to this, it's like you said, it's not. Her soprano voice doesn't attract him. It- no. She doesn't know she's a princess the entire movie. He doesn't know she's a princess until yeah. after he's dead. Right. He's never learned it. I'm like, oh, he has no idea. He's just trying to save her. Yeah. And that was a really powerful moment that mm-hmm. she changed this man so much in a non-icky way, like you said, mm-hmm. that he was going there for her. Yeah. Not for Jules. There was no game to be played. If he had known she was the princess, he was someone who stole a tiara for money right so he threw it to the the stabbing tents um and something that hit me when i was watching it too is i see the 
I see the light is very similar feeling to a whole new world. And I was started debating with my husband about a whole new world versus this and why it feels different and why I like I see the light better. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because though both of them are beautifully written and beautifully staged, I see the light is self-discovery from each person. Yes. Instead of let me show you things, it's both people learning something about themselves and changing to come together. So, I, love I, love I love it. it. I love it so much. And and to wrap up the Disney story, it gets very dark, very fast when Rapunzel realizes she's a princess. Gothel mm-hmm. tries all of her tactics and they don't work. And then she gets trapped by Gothel. Eugene right. gets stabbed. Yeah. He dies. He, he straight dies. up dies. And you see a little bit of blood. Like they did very good. They didn't have blood from the knife, but they had it under his vest. And you see her see it. She mm-hmm. completely self-sacrifices to save him because she oh, knows yeah. that she's going to be in a, an abusive prisoner her whole life. Yeah. And yeah, he this... saves her Ugh. with the hair cutting and completely destroys Mother. When Rapunzel reaches for Gothel as she comes out the window, did you notice that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, she reaches she still for loves her. her. She still... <laughs> <laughs> it just hit me in a place. Yeah. She still loves her. That's still... For all intents and purposes, her mother, she doesn't want anybody to die. She is outside of this lanterns mm-hmm. moment where she really wants to see the lanterns is so self-sacrificing. Like yeah. everyone else's priorities are above her own. Mm-hmm. Like she is so, so kind. I strive to find her optimism yes. and kindness. It's very genuine and it's... Mm-hmm. It's complex because she does have flaws and, and you oh, get yeah. to learn more of them in the series, which we're about to get to. So the story itself is so tight and it's mm-hmm. Gothel is not magic, which is also similar to when we talked about Frollo. What's so evil about her is the human part of her, which mm-hmm. is complete yeah. narcissistic, emotional gaslighter. It's very real. I think it's a brilliantly written film, and I think she's a really wonderful role model for how we should try and strive to be, though I don't know how she is after what she's been through. I do like that they chose Mandy Moore as her Mm -hmm. voice. I think she has a really nice voice for youth, but has that like kind tones to it. I don't know. It Mm -hmm. it was a very good choice. It it felt very... Yeah. A very good choice for Rapunzel. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought the vocal cast was brilliant in this. I thought they, they did a really wonderful job. Yeah. I really like that they they had her kiss him at the end, that, they, yes, that she dips yes. him at the end. So it's all of these things that I forgot were so progressive. I will mm-hmm. say what they had to fix in the series was the lack of diversity in this film. Yes. That was disappointing, especially because Princess Frog was released in 2009. Mm-hmm. So they just went from a film that got to actually represent people of color and they went right. to an all-white, and not like main character, it's, it's set in German, more German style But place. it's also fake. It's Corona's fake. not real. <laughs> and you can have, it goes back to the background the background people mm-hmm. were all white, and that was disappointing. It doesn't even really give it a date. Like, I tried to look up exactly when it was set, and it's like late 1700s, early 1800s. Right, right. German kind of kingdom of Corona. 
Like, it, it wasn't like it's set here and here. That was a little disappointing to me, but they did a really good job of fixing that in the series, I felt. Yeah. And there was no other women in it. It was Rapunzel and Gothel. There was no yes. female ruffians. There were no female guards. Pascal and Maximus were meant, like, it were mm-hmm. g- gendered as male. So it, there wasn't it any other. It does pass the Bechdel test. It does. Because <laughs> Mother Gothel doesn't talk about men unless she's talks trying about to terrify Rapunzel. <laughs> she just talks about herself. <laughs> so it's, it does pass that. And there are a lot of scenes between those two. But there's no female anything else. No. Which is fixed in the series as well. So those mm-hmm. are like my two big hey, guys, maybe if we were going to improve it, because the story was so tight that I'm like, if we're going to improve this, maybe we'd talk about that. Yeah. It also broke, I mean, we can talk about this more in After Hours, but mm-hmm. just as a statement, it, it broke some gender norms for men as well. Yeah, I have, yeah, I have lots nice. of discussions about the the ruffians and that, that I really enjoyed. It really broke a lot of things, gender stereotypes without- It's a good movie, guys. <laughs> it's good. It's without shouting about it. And that's yeah. what I think was so brilliant is I forgot how many- So after this, the next thing they did with Tangled was the short Ever After. Yes. So it came out in 2012. They get married. She still has- classic short where it's about the sidekicks. The sidekicks. There's always the fun sidekick short. (laughs) That was this one. So there's not much to talk about with Rapunzel and that other than like it was really cute. They still had- That was CG is before they went 2D with the series. But what I I just like kind of screamed to myself when I, I rewatched it was they say, you may kiss. They do not say- you may kiss the bride. Because they are equals and they always play themselves as equals. I just like, These if I bring it, they just said you may kiss. They didn't say you may kiss the bride. It was something I completely forgot. And it was so, that's the only it. note I have forever after because it was just cute <laughs> and it had nothing to do with her. But that one no. line just like got me very excited about it. Oh, I love their, their relationship is great. And, it and is fabulous. Going into the short, because the next is the the little baby short that leads you into the series. Yeah, it's the before ever after. And this is when they introduce the 2D art style. They introduce the beginning of the series. It's like 45 minutes, I think. It was a a good... It was a decent little mini movie. Yeah. So they... And I I think it's very clever because they were able to... Clearly, they thought about this. Mm -hmm. Put in this full story arc Mm -hmm. that didn't go against anything that happened after Mm -hmm. like they had still they had set this precedent of they get married in this short Mm -hmm. and this is what she looks like this is what he looks like this is what's happening and they they are able to have a full story and then (laughs) come back and and there aren't any big plot holes no they did a really good job of of accepting these are the frameworks we're working in. Mm-hmm. And it so the the Tangled series came out in 2017 and it just wrapped up in 2020. It was three seasons. And it takes place after the first movie and before ever after the marriage. So you have this few years. And it, that kind of stems from Eugene saying, and after years and years of asking, yes. I finally said yes. It's like, oh, it comes, it comes off of that. And so this is seven years after the first movie. It was definitely something they had to approve. And Chris Sorensen was the showrunner on this series. And he came up with the mythology behind it and pitched to them... This is what I want to do with it. This is how it works. 
and kind of ran it past the original directors, ran it past Glenn Keane. He had to run it past Mandy Moore and Zachary Levi and Alan Menken. Because they got everybody back, which everyone is Everyone came back. Which is great. It, it was really a, makes the difference. Mm-hmm. It really did. And he said in an interview with the Bancroft brothers that Zachary Levi was the one that was hardest to convince because really? Zachary Levi runs a YouTube channel and like his own little website called Nerd HQ. And basically they kind of tear apart mythologies and uh, sci-fi and fantasy and nerd stuff. And so he's someone who digs into other people for not making sense with mythology. Oh, so he was like, I don't know about this. Yeah. And so uh, the showrunner said that he was the one who he had like 80% of it figured out. And Zachary Levi was the one who kept asking questions and helped him make sure it was airtight because he kept being like, well, what about this? And what's this? And how does this make sense? Right. Like, so, Well, it, you could tell mm-hmm. it's it is very well crafted. I think only mm-hmm. having three seasons was also smart. Mm-hmm. This show also did not feel like a money grab. I mean, there were different costumes and mm-hmm. different wigs and different mm-hmm. hair and not wigs, but hair styles. Yeah, you know. she got her hair but, back. You right. Know. Like yeah. and it was different. You can't just use mm-hmm. the old hairstyle. Yeah. You got to have a new one, so you can yep. buy a new one and a new dress, and you know, yep. so that you know that happens. But the story itself was very true to the character, and there was even more character development with her mm-hmm. in a great way, and all the characters around her. Everyone it, gets. I was blown yeah. away by everyone gets a story. There are multiple episodes where Rapunzel is kind of in it, but not really, mm-hmm. and characters get to develop, and she gets to develop with them. It was sophisticated. And that's what what I mentioned earlier. The emotional maturity of these characters is kind yes. of unmatched. They talk about how they feel in the short that opened the series ever before ever after, Eugene proposes and she says, Not now, but I love you. And he doesn't leave because doesn't they leave. are equals. He it doesn't get very mad. Much stated. You you what's really cool about Rapunzel and his relationship is it's no longer Rapunzel and Flynn. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a unit and not in a bad way, not in a yeah. weird goopy like not they, codependent, you know, not no, yeah. They are just they are equals. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a really important thing for kids at a young age to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. because even though Eugene comes from nothing and he was a villain in mm-hmm. his own right, mm-hmm. and she's a princess. They are equals. They are, mm-hmm. they, their relationship is very much symbiotic and they mm-hmm. work together and they lift each other up when they need it, even in small amounts. Yes. E- even just little side comments they make to each other. They are together on this. And they do have mm-hmm. moments where they fight, which is very relatable. Yeah. But yeah. I think it is one of the most healthy relationships mm-hmm. for people, especially at a young age, to watch how they interact with each other and validate each other. In the 45 minute short, it's you really get a full arc in this yeah. before ever after short that sets up the series really lovely. And instead of being heartbroken, I mean, he's hurt when she says no. Oh, of but course. But then instead of usually when you have that moment, and which is hardly never in Disney. So this is still unique. The fact that she has said no in front of her mm-hmm. entire kingdom. But she is also dealing with the fact that she's now trapped in a different way. You actually address the father's PTSD yes. of losing his daughter. And that was one of the things that the directors of Tangled talked to the showrunner of the series. And their biggest questions for him were, what is the relationship with the parents? Because they've never talked before. Right. 
this is the first time they've ever been given lines. And so the first season is really her relationship with them and with what it meant to be a princess after being locked in a tower yeah. and have it, not being able to see the world. So they're dealing with really complex emotional um, things and also having funny stories in them. But like, it, it's, oh, it's really it's incredible. Still a kid's show. It's still a yeah. kid's show. They still have the silly stories. They still mm-hmm. have the fun yeah. things. But she does grow and become more of a heroine, if that mm-hmm. is possible. Yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't think it was. But then you see her be upset. You see her deal with like anger at people. Mm-hmm. Well, and her coming to terms with it's okay to not like everybody. Mm-hmm. Where, she, where that her and that baker. Monty. <laughs> really don't like each other. Her and Monty don't like each other. And that's just yep. they've accepted it. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is. And they're fine with it. Like, that was a really big character development for her. It's okay. It's okay to not love everyone. It's yeah. <laughs> not everyone yeah. is going to be your cup of tea, and that's all right. But also be respectful. They are still mm-hmm. respectful for each other, even though they may be. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like a it's, mutual understanding. And I actually found myself as an adult watching it, learning great communication skills. Because there's just no way that I could, after being denied a proposal, go up and be like, I'm so sorry I did that to you in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about this? I love you. I will wait. Right. And she asked him to be patient with her. The amount of times they say that they love each other, mm-hmm. too. Like, there is no question ever, even when you meet ex-fiancés and stuff. Yeah, it, there's some really good storytelling, but in the end, it's never about them not loving each other. And even no. I think it's one of the best story developments with female friendships that i've seen period yes it's her and cassandra are like yin and yang Mm -hmm. they're only a couple of years apart i think cassandra's four years older but you have a another cynic and her like not liking eugene i think is fascinating and how they both love rapunzel and cassandra have the best Mm one-liners i've ever Mm -hmm. heard they're so good. And <laughs> you see her and Rapunzel learn to be friends, even though they're so different. You see them learn to be better people because of it. Mm-hmm. The first season to me was about her and her parents' relationship. Yes. And dealing with what it means to be a princess after not being one for 18 years. Right. And the dad's PTSD, which is a fascinating mm-hmm. thing to watch. And then you had the second season, which is kind of the adventure season. You're discovering the mythology behind the whole thing. It's her and meeting characters that will be important later. Yeah. Her and Eugene's relationship developing because he hasn't proposed again yet. But then you have a whole couple where she tries to almost propose to him at one point. And then he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I understand why you want to wait. So she doesn't. So there's those things happening. And then her and Cassandra are growing because there's no Mm -hmm. other guards around. There's no other parents around. It's just them. So their relationship grows and then gets tested because season three is about rebuilding that relationship. Right. So I think they go through so much because her being Gothel's other daughter is incredibly complex and fits. Mm -hmm. It it like actually makes more sense of why she didn't move Rapunzel half away around the world. Like, why would you just be a horse right away if you took a, you know, took a daughter. But then Cassandra has to go through finding out who her mother is and being jealous that her mother was taken away because of like, it's brilliant. So they have Mm -hmm. to work through that. You have Varian who is 
the cute nerdy science kid turned villain get right. redemption arced to help save the day. <laughs> like you, he well, has entire arc. Yeah, yeah. You, it's, it's some. They're all so understandable, and it's so mm-hmm. subtle watching her and Cassandra fall apart and then mm-hmm. get back. Getting back together is not mm-hmm. subtle, but the yeah. falling apart was was subtle, and you had all those callbacks, and then mm-hmm. after the big moment of the season finale of season two, you're like, oh, but also that checks out. It all fits. And you can tell that I love that they made the decision to end it at season three. Because they yes. they did one, it, then they were approved for two, and then they chose to end it at three. So they, I think that was really smart because mm-hmm. it was a fully completed story. Mm-hmm. It matched up with everything. Rapunzel had a full arc. They did all the corny things mm-hmm. that were... Kind of forced, but not too much. Yeah. But all the corny stuff from the movie, like mm-hmm. for kids, for kids, it's great. Yeah. They're going to cry. They're going to love it. It's going to be good. Yeah. Especially for a kid's show. I think three seasons mm-hmm. was, it was beautifully done. It was definitely, it was marketed for kids, but it mm-hmm. it was more for the the kids who saw Tangled as young kids and were kind of in that tween. You're dealing with more like relationshipy stuff. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with real action Right. The, the third season is this epic constant battle, battle <laughs> trying to win back the kingdom from Varian and the people who took over. And then she has to deal with Cassandra with magic powers now. Like it's and the voice cast, they got Broadway singers. Mm-hmm. They gave them amazing numbers like the soundtrack is pretty phenomenal. You have Eden Espinosa as Cassandra, who just blows everyone out of the water when she <laughs> sings Crossing the Line. She's just phenomenal. And so you have multiple female characters. You have a mom who has a complicated relationship with her sister, too. Like, you have a lot more diversity in the cast. So I think they really fixed a lot of the things, the few things I thought about with the first movie. You got to know these characters. I think she's become one of my favorites because of the series. Because you get to know it's her. Very well done. You do. You, you get to live with her. You get to mm-hmm. <laughs> experience her journal. I would love mm-hmm. to see her actual journal. Because she she uses it to grow and mm-hmm. to... I, I, journaling itself is so important. And the mm-hmm. fact that she journals through art is mm-hmm. even better. It's so, it's so cool. And I think it teaches kids a lot of things. Because she is very very open about her feelings and everything and that's learn a lot from her and the style of the show from what the showrunner said it's a 2d they picked that pretty early on to make it 2d which i think was really smart because then you're never comparing it to the movie and they would never be able to do the quality of the movie there's just no No. way you can put out that kind of show no and we've seen from from other shows Mm -hmm. And other characters that we've been doing just for these past few podcasts that the TV show and the second movies, it's mm-hmm. like it's almost jarring. Not quite, yeah. but it's almost jarring. Whereas this, I think it was very smart for them to make a choice. A completely different style, a completely different medium with mm-hmm. 2D animation. And technology has caught up a little bit, too, to help them with 2D animation to make it swift and smooth and beautiful because it's not all hand-drawn. But they also chose to make it look like her painting journal. So he was so cool. It's so cool because when you really I'm like, oh, that's that's it is. It's her. That's why the Claire Keen helped develop the series, because she was the one who did her murals. Mm -hmm. And there's no outlines on them. There's a lot of textures and you can see some of the brush strokes in the backgrounds and in the character shading. 
he wanted to make it look like if Rapunzel was telling her own story, this is the show she would make. So that right. was kind of the idea behind the look of it. And I think they were really successful. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. It doesn't feel like the original. It was jarring to watch the original movie after I'd watched the television show recently. Because it is so different. It is it's so, so different, different. But the success is because they, they, it didn't feel like an accident. It felt like mm-hmm. a choice. Yeah, it definitely, it felt like an artistic style choice and it separates it. But when you have the original cast and when you have a writing team for the series that really embraced who she was and when they actually deal with things like PTSD and they deal with her feeling trapped or her not knowing what to do, it's, you Mm -hmm. deal with Eugene's past too. They don't Mm -hmm. ignore it. He's not just automatically this great person. No, no. And the look Which is, is great. Her, the look of her dad in Before Ever After when he proposes, I instantly went, you didn't ask him, did you? You didn't <laughs> check this out. Like, Which is also kind of cool. Yeah. Because personally, I think that tradition, it shouldn't be an ask. Yeah. It should be a heads, heads up. up. Yeah, nice heads up. I am not surprised to be one. Like, Yes. Like, I can make my own decisions. If I say no, I say no. <laughs> yep. So I liked it. I thought it was fun that he didn't. And it felt very them. Yeah, it did. It felt like perfectly like them. And if then you actually and you deal kind of with that relation, the father son-in-law relationship, too. And this. Yeah, there's just a lot that you actually get to explore because, I mean, each season is, I think, 23 episodes. And some of them around there. Yeah. And some of them have a lot. There's a three parter at one point, I think. The last, yeah, the yeah. last uh, is a three-part. The second series is a two. I literally mm-hmm. busted through these this week. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's a lot. There's just a lot that happens in it, and there's a lot of action. I think they really took the time to get to know Rapunzel and who they wanted her to be, mm-hmm. more so than some of the other princesses before and sometimes even after because it felt like everything from the plot was about character development. Yeah. It probably came from the fact that there was n- it's such a sparse story to begin no, with. Truly, truly. It's and I think that's that was what was so great is mm-hmm. they explained the story, they did it. Here's the backdrop, here's the set. Go. Yep. Like, go. <laughs> See what like happens. That, that's and and that's great cuz you get to learn more about them than you do in other stories because there is so much plot, which yeah. is fine. Plot-driven stories are not bad. It just no. You get more about Rapunzel because it's Mm -hmm. character-driven. And I'm really happy that Glenn Keane fought against the Shrekization satirical version of this. Because there's so much comedy and the cartoon physics that exist in this movie. Because, I mean, he would be dead after hitting, getting hit in the head. Everyone hit with a frying pan would be dead. Well, even Flynn calls it out. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever done. He addresses the magic of it in a way. Yeah. So he's the reason that we buy into it because it's a realistic world. Yeah. That just has a magical flower in it. And a horse that is a person. So he's the one who addresses the fact that. Oh, yeah. That this is weird. Which Her makes hair sense clothes. because like, <laughs> the, with the narrator and, and mm-hmm. everything, they, they tie that in really well, which is good. I'm glad that it wasn't Rapunzel. I'm glad that Rapunzel is in the world, living it, and you just mm-hmm. get to live in the world with her as yeah. opposed to watching Eugene's like telling the story kind yeah. of. this. He's our yeah. in as the audience. Yeah. We experience it with him, mm-hmm. but Rapunzel is the one everything's like happening to. 
Yeah, which is great. I think that's yeah. really cool. I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. And I want to give a fun fact yes. to end us off. I'm trying to. We love fun facts. I'm trying to. I watched a little documentary. They had like an untangled documentary they made of it for the making of. Oh, okay. This is a fun fact. So Pascal, her little chameleon friend we all love. We get to know him really well on those series. The frog. You know, <laughs> love it. So they cho- had chosen the chameleon and one of the animators bought a pet chameleon and oh, named dear. it Pascal. Okay. And so she brought it in. So the, I think it was someone who probably was working on Pascal. I don't know for sure, but I, that makes sense yeah. to me. So I'm going to. Right, right. And so she named it Pascal and they would use the chameleon to help with the animation and watch and observe. Because you can yeah. bring that in more so than you can bring a, like a lion in that much. And they did that right. when they did Lion King. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But they asked her what she named it and she said Pascal. And then they're like, can we use it? <laughs> so Pascal is named after Pascal the chameleon. Oh man! Who was the animator's little little thing? And she, so my the, my fun fun fact is that she named she is named as and credited as a chameleon wrangler in the credits <laughs> because <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so I thought that was a really sweet. But yeah, so it's cool. it's wonderful. Thanks for joining us on this long adventure with the seventy Rapunzel. foot hair with Rapunzel. <laughs> With Blondie. 70 feet of hair. And in the Grimm, it was 75. And in Haircut. Personet, it was 90 feet. Wow. So she got shorter as she progressed. (laughs) They're like, oh, that's too long. 70 feet. (laughs) Gotta make it more manageable. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. I hope you guys join us next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Damsels in Dialogue. Tune in next week as we travel to ancient Greece and meet a damsel who may be in distress, but can definitely handle it. Megara. If you enjoyed listening today, we'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast and share with friends. If you really enjoyed our discussion, you can find more behind-the-scenes content, a peek at our research notes, and even entire bonus episodes on Patreon. Each month, we release a full after-hours episode where we discuss the movies we cover in each episode unfiltered and unrestrained, along with behind-the-scenes extras and notes. You can reach us on social media. Links to all our platforms can be found in our About section. Until next time, this has been Damsels in Dialogue. Have a nice day. This podcast is sponsored by Royal Princess Parties, LLC, and is produced by Hello Out There Audio, part of Hello Out There Productions.